Okay, let's do it. As Mr. Freddie Mercury would say. Yes, it is a queen deep dive day. And it is a Freddie Mercury composition day as well. I got one thing to say about this particular song. It's very distinctive in Queen's catalog for one reason. One word. Brass. Brass, baby. This has an enthusiastic, energetic brass ensemble arrangement right alongside its spirited and sexy delivery. And we'll talk all about that. Mm -hmm. Yep. If you remember, I kicked off Queen's 10th album, Hot Space, released in 1982 in my last episode, and I went into way too much detail. Not enough, apparently. I was actually thinking about a few things I didn't mention, but I'll touch on those when I recap the whole album later. Yes, I kicked off Hot Space in about 50 minutes. (laughs) 50 minutes of interesting chatter about the perception of this album, why it was perceived as it was, And how people think about it now, in retrospect, those who were fans, at least at the time of its release. So anyway, we're finally getting into the nitty gritty for every single song on Queen's 10th album. We're kicking off with Staying Power. Staying Power kicks off side one, which I am dubbing the party edgy side. I've come to realize rather suddenly that almost every song on side one of Hot Space is incredibly edgy and danceable and all that jazz. Side two is the softer side, the more loving side. Not entirely. There are still some upbeat moments, but far and away, I would say these two sides are very stark contrast against one another. I don't know what took me so long to realize that. But yes, we're kicking off the hot side of hot space with Freddie Mercury's Staying Power. Dive number 109, track one on hot space. This electro, funky, soulful rock number. It's interesting. I was thinking about this just before I started this dive. We've had a few very sexy and or sexual songs from these boys over the years. And the ones that stick out to me the most actually came from super introspective and sensitive poetic, well, typically so, Brian May. Now, Brian is very dynamic as a songwriter. I'm not saying that Freddie isn't, but when I think about the numbers that are overtly sexy, They come from Brian. Fat bottom girls, tie your mother down. I mean, you don't get much more obvious than those numbers. Yes, we have Get Down, Make Love from Freddie. We have, why can I not think of others? I know there are more. (laughs) But yeah, I think about Brian and his songs. And that's very interesting to me because Brian is, not only is he my favorite writer in the band, because he is so sensitive in a lot of his compositions, it's just the way he expresses himself through music. 
That being said, I enjoy a lot of ballad, relaxed, reflective moments from our frontman, Freddie. You Take My Breath Away is a perfect example of that. But anyway, yes, Brian has given, in my opinion, some of the most aggressive, sexy-in-your-face numbers that are entirely about physical intimacy. But this time, it's all Freddie with staying power. Staying power. <sighs> the B-side to the Backchat remix single released August 9th of 82 in the UK. And it was also a lead single in the US on November 23rd of 1982. And it was the last issued from the album Hot Space. Sadly, it did not chart as a single in the US. And if I had to guess, at the time, especially in the US, when Hot Space was released in 1982, it was largely ignored or very confusing. Fans were at least confused, if not offended. And a lot of radio stations who typically played Queen simply had nowhere to put this because radio stations are quite segregated by genre and always have been. I think now maybe we have a little bit more of a mix, but seems to me that historically radio stations were a little bit more, they were very much based on genre. And we still see that now. You know, I think country stations are still very country, despite the fact that country has become much more pop. And there are stations that still play things like just R&B and jazz and classical. There's always going to be those stations because a lot of people enjoy very specific kinds of genres. So yeah, I guess it's still true that there is still that happening very much on radio stations. But when you think about that, and you think about this album dropping from a rock band, Suddenly it makes sense. Oh, these rock stations that loved to spin Queen and talk Queen, talk Killer Queen and Bohemian Rhapsody and We Will Rock You and all these rockin' numbers that even if they had a little bit of an operatic or a pop, quirky lean, they were still rock and roll. Well, this was not. So Hot Space unfortunately saw little to no promotion in the U.S. And in fact, one article I found from one publication particularly didn't even focus on the album, but on a single release from it and kind of highlighted the boys' diversity as far as their artistry goes, but didn't really talk much about the album as a whole, didn't really praise it or pick it apart, just flat out ignored it. And I think that's what happened by and large in the U.S. So consequently, something like Staying Power as a single in the U.S. falls flat. Not a big surprise, but this was a surprise to me. This was a lead single in Japan, <laughs> of all places. Now, Japan, huge fans of Queen. Japan was the first country that celebrated Queen like Beatlemania was Queen Mania. So, Love it that they released it in Japan. Absolutely love that. We're at 115 beats per minute 
In a 4-4, common time signature, occasional 2-4, a little bit of 5-4, but 4-4, very common on this album, Hot Space, very straightforward dance beat. So we're going to see many more compositions on Hot Space in this time signature. We are in the key of E mixolydian. Raise your virtual hand if you remember what mixolydian means. Anyone? Anyone? All right. Mixolydian is, we haven't talked about it in a while, so okay. It is the seventh note in the scale flatted. If you're familiar with major scales, there is a half step between the seventh note and the eighth or the seventh and the tonic, whatever you want to call that top octave note. But when you have something in mixolydian, that seventh note is flatted. And what that does, I've talked about the character of a sound and a chord. What that does is it creates a strong kind of assertive sound. I don't know what it is, but I think that's why it's used very prominently in blues, in rock. You see mixolydian a lot. I think I'm going to start using mixolydian a little more. It might be fun. What are we talking about? I was talking about sexy stuff. We're going all night or all day or both, <laughs> depending on your preference, I guess. Staying power leaves virtually nothing to the imagination, lyrically. So this thing is entirely unique as an instrumental piece. I talked about brass. It's amazing. Honestly, when you hear it, it's surprising, yes. It's amazing, surprising, you kind of think, what is happening? But it is an awesome addition to Queen. And I'm kind of sad that we don't get this more because it does make a huge energized statement. And I think it's a wonderful musical conversation with Freddie's vocals. And, and you could even argue, and perhaps some have, and maybe this is one of the reasons people criticize this song in addition to its style, is it's too prominent. The brass here is almost its own voice. It's so in your face. And it dances against Freddie's vocals. It is a conversation back and forth. It's lovely. But I think some people might see it as being too much in the front, too obvious. It's not subtle enough, but we have to remember this is Queen. <laughs> Nothing about this is going to be subtle. So these brass contributions, which are not from Freddie or any of the boys, for that matter, we're going to talk in more detail about that. We're also going to talk in more detail about the content of this song lyrically because, yes, it is quite fun, suggestive, sexy, all that jazz. This is a surprisingly upbeat turn with that brass and a bass drum beat that is one of the most unique I've ever heard. It's this throbbing, driving, pulsing thing, frantic, excited, heartbeat. Like, I can't even pick out exactly where the beat on it is. It is not on the downbeats. Absolutely no. In fact, it's almost, it's almost present all the time. It seems like it's always there. And I, I love that about this because this is a unique thing, especially in the dance genre. If you're familiar with dance, trance, anything that's more modern, that kick on the downbeat, maybe on the offbeat on occasion is very, very common, but you don't hear something like this. <laughs> this bass drum 
Very interesting choice of rhythm, and I have to wonder, was that Roger's contribution and idea, or was Freddie like, no, 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 we have to make it sound like this, and this is what we're going to do. But it's fantastically appropriate, this kind of heartbeat thing we have going on with it, because this thing, staying power, littered with sexual double entendres, it opens hot space with a punch that diverges so far from anything we've heard the boys perform. Anything, live or otherwise. We're simultaneously baffled and amazed by this. Freddie, as we'll often hear on Hot Space, provides all the vocals, lead and harmonies. But rather than thick and layered vocals, rather than a soulful delivery, they bounce off one another in this very staccato expression. Aside from brief moments of guitar accents from both Brian and John and synth drums programmed by Roger, Freddie almost entirely steals the show here. He plays the synth bass alongside the catchy and energetic brass arrangement that is so definitive here. His vocal performance alone owns this, and his aggressive, clear delivery is fully realized. We've heard him like this before, but I think he sounds more comfortable, he sounds more confident, and certainly has a fantastic time delivering this vocal. The clever panning of sounds, the balance of the crashes and the bangs, the zips and the thrills, it's an exciting number that I think kicks off this album with driving heat just like it should. Cowbell claps, small synthesized explosions. It's all here in staying power. Say what you will about this. Think what you will. But I think this is an impressively put together and produced number. The production here was a very kind of unique approach. The guys started to shift gears with that, with the previous album, The Game. But here it's obviously even more minimal. Stark. And the setup of everything, the mics, everything is different. And we end up with a sound that is a lot more, at the time, modern. I've actually talked about this, how when I hear these albums now, I feel like some of their earlier albums stand up better over time. This one sounds more dated to me, but I think it's less about the production and more about the style. Of the, of the songs in particular. This song, though, was a whole different animal live. And we're going to talk about live performances now. 46 of them, mostly in 82. John played rhythm guitar live since the bass was performed on synthesizer. And fans typically divided on the album version almost unanimously applaud live performances of Staying Power. And Roger has commented, this was a very difficult live number. But ultimately, I think it's great to hear him drumming hard on this song, which features synth drums on the album cut. His performance, there's a really good reason. I love <laughs> hearing this live. Not just Roger's performance, but all of them. This speeds, it swings, it jives. Yeah, yeah. On a stage. Yeah, that's a little nod to a previous number from Freddie We All Know and Love. Hearing John and Brian in unison on that riff 
Roger riding that hi-hat and all those cymbals, and he's still singing backing vocals all over the place. High backing vocals. But this is all Freddie, and he sounds fabulous. It runs at a breakneck pace live, which is typically the case. We often hear songs at least 10, sometimes 20 clicks faster live. And without the brass, dare I say, despite brass being a defining characteristic on the album, I enjoy this song more without it. The live drums, so much heavier guitar, Freddie even more aggressive. He, he has a tendency to really growl and kind of, oh, the roughness of his voice live is something to behold. This is far more rock and roll when the guys are digging in on a stage, and I much prefer this live. It's not to say I don't enjoy the album version and find the energy enticing, but I definitely love the rock turn of style when the guys are batting this out on a stage. What the heck does that even mean? (laughs) Playing it out on a stage. All right, some fun facts about Staying Power. Staying Power, the only Queen song with such a brass arrangement. Contributed by Arif Mardin, who worked with hundreds of artists during his career, including, get ready, the Bee Gees, Chaka Khan, Hollow Notes, Phil Collins, Carly Simon. Just to name a few. Catchy synth bass groove played by our own writer, Freddie. John contributes rhythm electric guitar and Roger drums via the Lynn LM one drum machine. I want to go back and talk about Freddie's contribution on the synth bass. Let's talk about that. It is a groovy thing and I think it showcases his remarkable ability to embrace any style. And the guys are good at this as a whole, yes. But Freddie is particularly good at shifting gears. And I think as the front man and the lead singer, you kind of have to be because you're expressing things in so many different ways. And I don't want to discount what the other guys are doing because they're also good at this kind of diverse performance. But... Freddie, all the way back to the very beginning, has given us very rock things, very fantastical things, very fluttery things, very ballad things, very swooping and sweeping and tender things. He's remarkably diverse. And so to get this kind of groovy bass from him on a synthesizer... First of all, it reminds me of some of the things we got from him on synthesizer on Flash Gordon. But this is a wonderful contribution. We never get this kind of playing from him. It's very seldom. So this is quite nice to hear, even though it reduces John's role a little bit. I like hearing the synth bass performance from our writer. Now, the U.S. single release from Elektra would be the last Queen release with the company before they would part ways. And there are some a few different reasons behind this. Queen wasn't happy with the way Electra was managing them at the time. They didn't like the way they were being promoted. So after this album was dropped, I'm sorry, after the single was dropped, <laughs> remember what you're talking about, Charlie, they parted ways with Electra and they actually ended up working with EMI going forward, which they were already doing. It's a long story. All right. The demo version of this, which I have not been able to find, 
is said to showcase Brian's guitar riffs, which would ultimately become the brass bursts we hear from Arif. And I apologize, truly, if I'm not saying that name correctly. And more guitar harmonies are also included in that demo version from what I've read. But sadly, I've never heard that demo version, ever. I looked for it. I could not find it. I couldn't find a link for it. I tried. If you know where it is, please tell me. Because I would love to hear this demo version. More guitar harmonies, please. I would love to hear a demo version of Staying Power. And if it sounds more like the live version, that would be something interesting and quite a bop, I can imagine. I don't have any band critique, sadly. Couldn't find a word from any of the guys about Staying Power. And I'm sure that's partially because at this time in Queen's career, Freddie was not speaking to the press as much, mostly at the insistence of Paul Prenter. I talked about this in the kickoff for Hot Space. Yes, Freddie was much more silent than he had been previously. Sad. Because I love him in interviews. I've talked about this. I love how quiet he could often be in an interview. He was very subdued in many interviews and quite just charming. I mean, they were all charming, but yeah, I always love Freddie in interviews and I wish we'd had more from him, especially in the later years of Queen. Now I do have some, how dare they critique some fans and perhaps even critics remarked that this song sounded particularly black and as such kicked off Hot Space in a confusing way for a band previously known for harder rock. Now, this isn't too big a surprise because we have to think about the fact that some people who heard Another One Bites the Dust thought it was by a black band. And the baseline from that song is almost certainly influenced by Sheik's song, Good Times, which whenever I think about it, I think about when I hear it in the wedding singer. <laughs> when Robbie's in the car and they're driving to the airport, you can hear that, that bass line. John was with the band Chic when they were working on that song. And they've commented that, yeah, it's very likely that John was influenced by their line. So it, it's an interesting perception. I mean, we have many awesome, let's, let's talk about some history here for a second when it comes to black funk artist bands, et cetera, especially at that time. We have many awesome artists and bands. We have The Gap Band, Stevie Wonder, Rick James, Prince. So we're getting into the, you know, the 70s, into the 80s there. But it's just interesting, the perception of music genres and how it ties to race. I mean, we could argue that a lot of modern sounds, a lot of modern genres we have now our direct lineage from these styles of sound, rhythm and blues and rockabilly and things like that, that were started in a lot of black communities and a lot of musical communities. And we have, you know, gospel, which was, of course, you know, black churches. And so there's all these styles of performance that I think in younger people today may not think to themselves, oh, that sounds quote unquote black, but the further back you go, you can see a more dividing line between those. So, and this is why, to some people, you know, if we go a few decades before Queen, the kind of performance promotion of some of this music was offensive to some people, I think because it was perceived as black music. And, and that, 
I, I mean, that is just awful to think about that, that, that you would deny the performance of something or the enjoyment of something solely because of skin color or, or anything, whether it's whether it has to do with race or sex or, or anything, right? So there's a lot of dividing lines between all of this kind of culture the further back you go. But it's interesting because even Freddie at Milton Keynes in 1982, he introduced a song during that tour. He said, quote, we're going to do a few in the funk black category, whatever you want to call it. That doesn't mean we've lost our rock and roll feel. People get so excited about these things, unquote. And he goes on from there and talks a little bit more about the perception of the songs and that it had nothing to do with any of that. And the guys simply wanted to play something different. And I think what he's getting at, first of all, I find it interesting that he felt like he had to say that and sort of defend what they're playing because it doesn't sound like he he really wants to sort of segregate the music that way but i think what he's trying to do is express at the end of that whole introduction is that hey we don't perceive it that way we just want to rock out we just want to jive out to this style and we hope you do too is what it what he's getting at but it's it's just crazy because i think if someone said that now it would, uh, there would be a totally different reaction. When he said it at that performance, the, the audience reaction is quite mixed. You have a few people clapping and whistling. There's a few people who sound a little bit perplexed and aren't quite sure how to react to that, maybe because they weren't fans of the album as a whole, but also maybe the, the statement took them by surprise. So it, it's just interesting, the history behind all this, the perception, and that, yes, it, with Another One Bites the Dust, some people thought it was a black band. And so here, I think with Hot Space, there was this perception of, oh, the guys are doing black funk music. But even with me, I mean, I don't perceive it that way. I don't necessarily think to me, in fact, I can't ever recall a time where I felt like that's, that music sounds, you know, white or black or... You know, style is one thing, but I think to label something, to label a genre or a sound as predominantly a certain, I, I don't know. It's, it's interesting when you start to get into the weeds on that. Because to me, great music is great music. And it doesn't matter where it's coming from or what motivated it. And sometimes even the content, even the lyrics of the song are not as important as the music of a song. And this song, actually, Staying Power, is a great example of something that, you know, lyrically, it's bold, it's in your face, it's, it's sexy and all that jazz. But then instrumentally, even if you don't care for the words, it's like Queen's, you know, Get Down, Make Love. A lot of people criticize that song for the messaging. A lot of people criticize, you know, the songs I mentioned previously, Brian's, you know, Tie Your Mother Down. A lot of people hate that song. Because it, 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 if you read the lyrics word for word, he's, it's literally writing about, get rid of your family so, <laughs> so we can go and have some fun. That is what the song is saying. And of course, Queen has told us, you know what, don't take us too seriously. A lot of stuff is tongue in cheek, et cetera, et cetera. But a lot of people take offense to those things. But I think when I just, I kind of got way deep into this on a tangent, didn't I? But the perception of the music, I guess, is what I'm getting at here is that, yeah, at the time, 
a lot of longtime Queen fans saw Hot Space and this song in particular as something that abandoned what the guys stood for previously and the rock that was so important to them without the synthesizers. So just all these interesting perceptions out there. And I don't think a lot of people, I don't think that's at the forefront of anyone's mind now. If someone hears this song now, they might think, oh, it sounds kind of funky. And maybe they would sort of put it in the same group as some of these songs by some of these other artists I've just mentioned previously. But yeah, it's just, isn't it funny how perceptions shift as the years and the decades go by and the history that comes with all of that? I mean, honestly, the entire music industry has so much, it it owes so much to contributions culturally and the artistic expression of the black community. There's so much that came out of all of that creativity that keeps pushing things forward that did in the past and continues to do so. So it, it it just, it bothers me that people would, would say that, you know, if if anybody thought to themselves, oh, now Queen's doing quote unquote black music as if that's a bad thing. You know what I mean? That's, that's ultimately how I feel about it is, you know what you do, you express things how you want to as an artist. You should never be, you should never feel like you're obligated to do things a certain way. And that's something that sometimes contracts do, record labels do, managers might do is say, well, we're going to do this. We're going to label you as this. We're going to make you you're, we're going to make you sound like this. It happens to a lot of artists, especially young, impressionable ones. But Queen have always stood up and said, no, we're, we're going to do what we feel like doing. And I think that's exactly the case with this song and with the album Hot Space as a whole, is that the guys were like, we're going to come in and have some fun with a little bit of funk. And if you like it, then you can jazz along with us. I do have a little bit of praise here. In the San Diego Union Tribune in 2006, they wrote about Queen performing with Paul Rogers and mentioned this number as a, quote, sleek dance floor favorite, unquote. I love that, but I would actually love for evidence of that because I got to be honest, I don't think I've ever heard this song on a dance floor. I mean, I haven't been on a dance floor in a very long time, but I don't think I ever heard someone play out, stay in power. (laughs) Anyway, staying power. Yes, a lovely Freddie number expressive, bold, loud. His full-on powerful chest voice is in full force here. I was talking earlier about how it seems fully realized and extremely confident. I think a lot of that is influence of just his lifestyle at the time. He was frequenting clubs a lot. He was probably listening to this music an awful lot. I'm sure it was in his mind. And I know previously he was a fan of this kind of thing too. So it's no surprise to get something like this from him to kick off hot space. Sexy, brooding, bubbling bass. But it comes in with that drum kit. Kicks it off, snap, we're moving, baby. A bass beat, that kick that pounds and thumps and is unrelenting in its heat. It fills the space. Hot a trademark of this track, I challenge you to find the beat of that bass drum. It's kind of hard to hear it. it. It doesn't pop and snap like a lot of bass drums do in a lot of 
modern dance songs these days. It blends in more with the frequencies around it. So it's a little hard to find it. But if you have a really good set of headphones, I think you're going to catch that bass kick and it's gonna whack you in the face and it never stops. We got that cowbell on the downbeats, that's fire. Clever drum accents and fills. And even if these are programmed, this has Roger written all over it. Guitars that trade off all around us, that tease us, that grinding red special against the brighter electric rhythm guitar. Hello, John. Double stops. Groovy. This is funky. It's not very melodic, no, but this is fun, captures your attention. Lots of staccato. Staccato is very brief, very fast deliveries. Blink and you'll miss it. But in front of everything, Mr. Freddie Mercury. Ah, a sigh, a breath. Let me show it to you. Yeah, brass. Good golly, that's a switch, isn't it? That brass, the way it bursts in. And this arrangement is snappy, it's bright. 16th notes, snazzy fast. Snazzy fast. And we haven't even gone into the first verse yet. Freddie's performance dances around those guitars, that synth bass. Bass in our Freddie, all playful and aggressive and, as I've said a million times already in this episode, in your face. It's a thrill to hear just him layered like a delicious snack. And he's singing in unison with the bass, adding extra weight and emphasis. I love the percussion fills with the extra reverb. Those little touches, I'm going to talk about that for a minute here. Interject. I love it when a, an instrument is in a different kind of zone as the rest of the sounds. And what I mean by that is the sound is different. So let's say you have a song and everything is very isolated. There's not a lot of echo. There's not a lot of reverb. It's very tight and dry. In fact, Another One Bites the Dust is a great example of that sound. But there's moments even in that song where you get these echoing pops of things. And here you get that with these percussion fills that echo out on either side. And it's such a nice touch because it's just enough to make it interesting. A great touch. You know I got what it takes. Oh yeah, we do, Freddie. Hello, guitars. Hello, John. Baby, you, me, got staying power. This is such a good delivery. I gotta say, this is one of the hardest songs to sing. I'm not just saying that to make this seem like a bigger thing than it is. I've tried to sing along to this. And because it's a very staccato delivery, it's fast. Freddie is, he was always known for his enunciation, for his diction when he sang, which is interesting because when he speaks, he's got almost what sounds like a little bit of a lisp. But when he sings, it's so strong and assertive. And you get that all the way through this number and every other number we've had before it. There's so much happening. The instruments move in smaller intervals, keeps everything very tight. Freddie jumps up the scale, wider expressions, and I love how it layers. The brass crashes again, as does an interesting sweep of a synth that builds up, pulling us left to right. Stay in power, I got it. We do not doubt him. We never can. Freddie attacks us again with his improvised vocal hits. Hot phrases. Tonality change into the next phrase. Rock me, baby, rock me. <laughs> See, I can't even like, when I sing those, 
almost always I can hear the key in my head. But with this song, it's so devoid of an, a really melodic phrase in most moments that it's actually hard to hear that a little bit. More harmonies that provide some melodic breaks, a few of them in there, syncopated bass, work it, work it, work it. <laughs> When I say it like that, that's ex that's not exactly how it goes, but that's close. It reminds me of those workout videos like Physical from Olivia Newton-John. Bless her. I'm so sad that we lost that wonderful woman. What a great song. Maybe I should just do a random deep dive for Physical. That was a phenomenon, Physical. Okay, back to Staying Power. In fact, the songs are similar, actually, in their, their lyrical expression. But with Staying Power here, into the chorus again. But then, this break, Freddie laughs and is so thrilled. It sounds so genuine. The brass are on fire, in unison with that bass, all kinds of octaves and intensity. I think I totally butchered that, but that's... Close enough. It, it, you can get that kind of groove going in it. The triplets leading into the end. Some much-needed drum breaks and fills and crashes. Dissonance, yes, creates that sense of suspension, mystery, anticipation. And Freddie, that, that part where he wails, all of that melisma that he does, so much better than I just did. I'm telling you, this song is difficult to sing. I wonder when we're gonna shake it. <laughs> I, I do love that line. Another verse, Freddie swoons and oohs in falsettos, offsetting that wonderful aggression in the lead vocals. Some more fun and exciting synthesizers. It's kind of all over the place, everywhere, every, every corner you turn to in the sound space here, in, in the sound box, as it were. There's all kinds of things going on for such a minimal arrangement. And I think that actually speaks to how brilliantly this is, this is produced. I talked about the production. A great example of holding back on the amount of instruments we're hearing, but still a very lush and teasing arrangement that's full. The bass drops and pops against the brass again. <laughs> this next part, this trade-off with the drums and Freddie and the bass and the brass. Power, power. It's just over and over again. It's such a fun partnership and a great battle back and forth. And then the unmistakable <laughs> forward lyrics we get here. Blow, baby, blow. Let's get down and go-go. <laughs> oh, oh, wait. The best part, though. Baby, don't you crash. Let's just trash, trash, trash. <laughs> I love that. Freddie is insistent again. So lovable, energized. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. And then that's it. <laughs> We're done with staying power. If there was any doubt, just go check out the lyrics. I think I'm going to link to them just so you can read them for yourself. But really, the ultimate experience of this song is the partnership between Freddie's fantastic vocal performance, absolutely stunning, crisp, clear, aggressive performance against that brass contribution from Arif. A wonderful battle, or perhaps I did say a partnership. It's not really a battle, but at times it feels like it because we have that playfulness back and forth. This really is 
an assertive, playful thing that has so much energy. And I think did take some unfair criticism for reasons I mentioned earlier, because people labeled it as something that they perceived as a negative thing, which I will never understand. Because when I hear this song, I think I talked about Hot Space being this thing that I can comfortably listen to no matter what I'm doing. And that's kind of the case with a lot of Queen albums. But Hot Space has this very interesting relaxing pop dance quality to it that is unique because of the approach the guys took that was so drastically different. And I think this is a great introduction to what we're going to get going forward. And if you thought this song was very bold and forward in its messaging, we haven't even, we've heard nothing yet. We're going to get to a song that is another Freddie number that is one of their most controversial and I think to this day divides people almost more than any other song, at least in, from what I've seen and read. But we'll talk more about that number later. This was, again, Staying Power, the first song on Queen's 10th album, Hot Space, released in 1982. And we're going to talk some more. Wow, I went on a bit of some tangents with this one. It's quite long, but hey. Sometimes you got to dig in and talk it out. But I'll be back next time. You guys keep yourselves alive. And uh, what is next? What, what is the next number? I almost always remember. Oh, of course. Hello. It's funny. I could hear the intro in my head and I forgot what the song actually was. <laughs> it's a good one. We'll dive into that next time. Have a great night. A great day. A great life. Later. <laughs>